So I'm recording this message alone in a room in our house. Chances are you're listening to it in a similar setting because we are being called right now to social distancing, in some cases self-isolation, to protect ourselves and to protect each other from a deadly virus. And maybe the strangest part of all this, we're, we're all hunkering down, hiding, from an enemy we can't even see, from a virus so small that uh, if we didn't know any better, if we just looked outside uh, at the, the, the coming of spring, the, the blooming of flowers, the greening up of the trees and the grass, we might just assume that, that everything was right with the world. The weather's been pretty good this week for the most part. We've been outside in the backyard with our kids uh, everything seems just fine, but the truth is we're living through something unprecedented, at least in our lifetimes. This is a challenge we've never known before. Um, and so I realize there are about 600,000 blogs and articles and sermons filling the internet right now, telling us how to deal with this new reality. Lots of good material out there. But I want to encourage us today to root ourselves deeply in the 23rd Psalm, the most famous Psalm. It's one that we all know, and many of us, perhaps we know it by heart. But I, wanna, I want us to look at it with fresh eyes together. Because of the, the words of the 23rd Psalm have the power to sustain us and strengthen us in every circumstance. I want us to, to look together today at how unique and precious relationship with God. And of course, what David says about himself applies to all of us. And so I'm going to read Psalm 23 in full, and then we'll go back and look at the details verse by verse. Uh, if it helps you to have your open Bible here, I'm, I, I would encourage that. But even right now, as I read these words, I'd invite you to close your eyes and very slowly let's savor this psalm together. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When David opens this psalm, he's speaking about God, and the, the truth is there are many things David could say right here that would be true and valid. He could have started the psalm by saying, The Lord is my creator. The Lord is my judge, my lawgiver. All true. 
But to say the Lord is my shepherd is really an amazing statement because a shepherd is not a figurehead. A shepherd is an intimate caretaker. A shepherd cares for a flock in a way that demands constant attention, great closeness and care. A shepherd smells like his sheep because he's always with them. He's always acting for their good and on their behalf. Now that's a stunning image to give to God. Because so often people and religions, we, we view God as a figurehead, as someone who is, who is very separate and far away, who may be good and righteous and all those other things, but a God who doesn't draw near like this. But David says, no, he is our shepherd. And not just our shepherd, but David says, my shepherd. That is that God doesn't merely oversee uh, us as a nameless and faceless mass, but he's intimately acquainted with me and with you. Now we, see, we Americans, we don't have much trouble thinking in individual terms, but for the people of Israel, the Old Testament people of God, this idea, verse 1, this was a revelation that God's love is not just corporate. It's not just love for the nation as a whole, but God's love is also personal. God loves me. And see, Jesus affirms this. When Jesus says, the hairs on your head are all numbered precisely, God knows all of them. That's an expression of God's unique love and care for the individual. God loves me. He is my shepherd. And because the great God of the universe shepherds me, David says, I shall not want. I have everything I need. I am perfectly content under the protection and the provision of God. Now, we ought to pause right here and acknowledge this little phrase, I shall not want. This is not as easy as it appears. Uh, there are a great many things we desire outside of God. There are a great many things we want that we convince ourselves God either cannot or will not provide for us. Even David, who wrote this psalm, David was a man with ungodly desires. And the scripture does not hide these things from us. And so this is one of the places we ought to be very careful that we don't merely recite the words and, and fail to consider what they say. The truth of verse 1 is this. If God is my shepherd, then I have, truly I have all I need. And far beyond it. Not just all I need, but all that my heart truly, deeply desires is found in Him. And see, this is a statement of faith. It's not just a statement of fact that we're meant to acknowledge. It's a statement of faith that is meant to be nailed down deeply into our hearts. We must ask ourselves this question. Is verse 1 really true from the heart? Do I really believe that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want? Because if I believe that, then I will not live as a wanderer 
constantly seeking contentment in a thousand different places. No, to really believe verse 1 is to live by the words of Jesus Christ. When Jesus was tempted by the devil in the desert, Luke chapter 4, Jesus said, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus had no desires that his heavenly Father did not meet in full. And therefore, he overcame temptation to seek life outside of the Father. This is where true life is found. This is what verse 1 means. God is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Everything for life is found in its fullness in him. And here's what that life looks like. Look at verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Now think about the image here of how a shepherd cares for his sheep. He makes me lie down in green pastures. God brings me into a broad and fruitful place and he gives me rest. If, if your view of God is of an angry, impatient taskmaster, this psalm ought to melt your heart. David gives us no indication of God walking behind him with a whip demanding that David, the sheep, fall into line. No. Jesus, when Jesus characterized his own ministry, he says this in the Gospel of Matthew. Remember these words? Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will what? I'll show you what a burden looks like. No. <laughs> Jesus says, Come to me if you're weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. Jesus says, For I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will give you rest. Our anxious hearts, our burdened hearts, our sinful hearts, we find our rest in the Lord. He loves us and treats us as we do not deserve. This is, a, this is an act of mercy. He makes us lie down in green, broad, fruitful places. And he leads me beside quiet waters. Right here we see provision and peace. A shepherd who nourishes his flock, who tends to their needs, and he restores my soul. I, I, think, I think all of us have a deep-down nagging fear that if we really commit ourselves to God, I mean, if I really trust Him and truly obey Him, then God's going to ruin me. He's going to demand too much, take too much. He's going to force me to go places that I don't want to go. If I give God an inch, He's going to take a mile. And so we're tempted to give God our worship and our allegiance, yes, but only so much. Only to a fine point. We're, we don't want to give God everything because deep down, I don't really trust that God is entirely for me. But again, this psalm is meant to melt us down. Look what David says. He 
restores my soul. He renews, he revives. God gives us life in place of death. God fills what is empty. He gives grace instead of condemnation. There's restoration. If, if you roll all your weight and all your trust over onto the Lord, you can trust that He is altogether good. Anything that He takes away is something that would only hinder and harm us anyway. God is not going to ruin us. He is only and always good and loving. Everything He does for us, even the painful things, are so that He might restore our souls. That's a promise. And you notice the last part of verse 3, He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. That means the Lord leads you in all that is right. God doesn't just comfort and provide, but He makes something great out of you. He makes you righteous for His name's sake, for His glory. God leads us in such a way that we bear His name and we reflect His heart. God makes us a holy people. And here's what that means. That means there has never been a person who truly trusted Jesus, and yet God somehow left her worse than when He found her. I want you to hear me say that. There has never been a person who truly trusted in the Lord and God left them worse than when He found them. No, He cultivates us. He develops us. He makes us more and more like His own Son, Jesus, and it brings Him glory. It's for His name's sake that He does these things. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul and He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Isn't that awesome? It sounds just about perfect, doesn't it? So where's the catch? <laughs> where's the catch? It can't be that great. It can't be that easy. Well, listen, there's no catch. But David is very careful to give us a, a, a nice, healthy dose of reality. In case he's made life with God seem out to be some sort of piece of cake, always happy and easy, and never harsh and difficult, that's when verse 4 comes into view. Verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Now see, verse 4 comes into play as if it's being spoken through a megaphone, doesn't it? All this talk of green meadows and peaceful waters, but now a dark and painful valley. And you notice David's language. He doesn't say, if I walk through this valley. He says, though I walk through it. Every Christian knows this valley where death casts a harsh shadow upon us, where sin and circumstances and even people are against us, where hope and gladness seem very far away, and often we have no clue at all 
how long the valley will last. When we're in the midst of it, we often can't see any light at all. If you've not known that valley for yourself, then you certainly will. The day will come. It comes for all of us. But, David says, I fear no evil there. I don't enjoy the valley, but I also don't fear it. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Again, the divine shepherd is right there. See, it's, it's very natural for us to assume that our times of darkness and suffering are godless. God is still out there somewhere, sure, but he's far away from me in the midst of my pain. But David affirms what we all need to hear. He tells us the, the opposite. God is with me. He's with me. See, before we saw the shepherd, the shepherd leading us out ahead of us, but now we have the shepherd beside us, comforting us. He is with me. He's right next to me. The rod and the staff, they comfort me. See, these are shepherd's tools, the rod and the staff. One is used to guide the sheep. The other is used to protect the sheep when predators come. Now, understand what verse 4 is telling us. Suffering is um, unavoidable. The valley comes, and it comes for all of us, but there is nothing in creation that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And therefore, even in the pitch black, David says, we have nothing to fear. Nothing can separate us from him and his love, his closeness, his care, his provision, his protection. He's right there. Now, up to this point, God is our shepherd. But now David is going to switch metaphors on us. The Lord is my shepherd, a wonderful picture. But now, see, in verse 5, he no longer speaks with shepherd language. He actually speaks of the Lord as our friend and our host. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. As it was in verse 4, we, we have a sober-minded view of reality here. You notice it in verse 5? We have enemies. Most of us, I know, we're extremely nice. We're very courteous people. But we still have enemies. Chief among our enemies is Satan. But, but notice what God does. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And the picture here is you are an honored guest at a feast. You are being served. You are being loved and blessed. And your enemy can only watch from a place of defeat. He gets a view of what's occurring, but he has no influence on it. All he can do is sit in shame. You are honored while the great enemy is Shamed, And you see, listen, if verse 4 tells us that God walks through the valley with us, verse 5 is an affirmation that the valley has an end. 
the valley doesn't last forever. And in the end, verse 5, we triumph and we feast, we celebrate to the glory of God. You have anointed my head with oil. That means that God has brought you into close, personal fellowship with him. He blesses you as an honored guest. And then he says, my cup overflows. That means God spares no expense over you. The best wine runs over for you. There is no holding back. There is no God skimping here. He pours and pours and pours. His abundance has no end. Y'all, verse 5 is kind of the forgotten verse in this psalm. But I hope we'll take it close to our hearts. Because this, this is a reminder that God's love for you is not pity. God doesn't take care of you just because he feels sorry for you. No, verse 5 says the Lord gives us esteem. He raises us up. He honors us. Psalm 23 is about a shepherd who delights in his sheep, about a host who delights over his guest. He doesn't just put up with you. He loves you with a true and sincere love. And so we look together at how the psalm ends. There's this sweeping conclusion now. David has pictured God as shepherd and as host, as conquering on our behalf. And now here's the result. Verse 6, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Remember, in the beginning of Psalm 23, God leads us. Then in verse 4, he comes beside us. Now in verse 6, notice, goodness and mercy follow us all of our days, in front, alongside, and even behind. That's the image we're being given. And see, here's what's interesting. That word follow in verse 6 is really the word pursue. And it's kind of a scary word. It's, it's the word used of one army pursuing another in an effort to take them captive. But here, when David uses that word, he's, he means to show us that the goodness and mercy of God are steadfast upon us always, pursuing us. There will never come a day when you will walk without the wind of God's mercy at your back. Always right there with us, hemming us in, in front, alongside, and behind. God has committed himself to you, and he will not change his mind. Surely, most certainly, goodness and loving kindness will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in his house forever. What a promise. Both for the present and for the life to come, we will dwell in God's house forever. Jesus said that to his disciples. In my Father's house there are many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you will be also. 
Friends, we are living in a strange and disturbing moment. There's just no other way to say it. And at this point, we can't see what is to come. And we really have very little control over what is to come. And it's easy, perhaps, it's easy for us to see something even as marvelous as the 23rd Psalm. It's easy to see it maybe only as just words. Very nice words, very comforting words, perhaps. But that's all it is. And so I want to encourage us today to fight against that mentality. I want to encourage us to see and savor the awesome power of what we're reading here. Y'all, the God who created all things, the universe and all it contains, both what is seen and what is unseen, the God who upholds all things by the word of his power, God himself, who has no equal, has made himself your shepherd. Your shepherd. God has not forsaken us in our weakness, but instead he has come to guide us and care for us and to grant us his assurance. God has not left you in the valley, but he has entered into it with you that he might see you through it. And his loving kindness has been pledged to you forever. See, when when David wrote Psalm 23, it's clear that on one hand he was looking back on the evidence of God's faithfulness. God had been faithful up to this point, and David knew it because he had lived it. But it's also clear that David was looking ahead in hopeful expectation as to what he expected God to do for the rest of his days and on into eternity. And see, the book of Hebrews tells us about this, about about men and women both, people just like David, who had great faith, but they were forced to look ahead to something they could not yet grasp. David, of course, lived a great many years before the birth and life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And so what David is looking ahead to, forward to, it's a promise that he would not see fulfilled on the earth. He was looking ahead to something that he couldn't fully see or fully grasp. But we, listen, we have the privilege of living on the other side of God's promise. When we declare that God is our shepherd, there is a fullness in our words, in our understanding, that David did not know when he wrote this psalm down. There is a fullness that we experience that David could only imagine and only look ahead to, but now we get to see in vivid and bright detail. And here's why. This is John chapter 10. I want you to hear what Jesus had to say in reflection of what we've just read. Psalm 23, there is a shepherd who leads us, who guides and protects us. Now listen to how Jesus understood his own identity and his relationship with his people. This is John chapter 10. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. 
and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Do we see it? Jesus, the Good Shepherd, has done more than lead us. He has laid down his life for us. Jesus does more than just walk through our valleys with us. Jesus himself walked the darkest valley for us. A valley deeper and darker and more painful than anything we could ever imagine. Jesus walked through eternal condemnation for us so that we might be forgiven and rescued. Jesus shows himself as our true shepherd. One who has come not just to help us along, but to save us forever. That's how we can confidently proclaim Psalm 23 as we look at our selves in the mirror, as we examine our circumstances, as we gather collectively as the church, we can proclaim that this is true of us individually and corporately. Those who have placed their faith in Christ, we have nothing to fear. We have everything we need. We know for certain that God vanquishes the great enemy and that he will forever make our cups overflow. We will experience his glory in full forever. His goodness and loving kindness will never leave us. We know it for certain because we have seen the fullness in the person of Jesus Christ and we have placed our faith in him. See, Psalm 23 tells the story of a God who is utterly committed to us no matter what from beginning to end. So we, we, I pray, we will trust in our good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And may we walk by faith in him through this unique valley that we've been given to walk together. We have everything we need right where we sit, right where we stand. And we can navigate uncertain times because we have a good shepherd in front to lead, alongside to comfort, and whose goodness pursues us forever, both now and on through eternity. Thanks be to God for such a grace. And let's delight in being the sheep of his pasture. Father God, will you grant us this grace today? Not only to nod our heads and agree with the words of this psalm, a psalm we're surely very familiar with, but Lord, as we see it afresh, Lord, would you put this truth uh, so deeply down into our hearts that it changes how we think, it changes how we view the world, it changes how we navigate our, our present moment. 
that we would have a confidence and a joy and a contentment and a hope that is unshakable because we have a good shepherd who laid down his own life for his sheep. Lord, give us faith to believe in Jesus Christ in, in deeper and more wonderful ways than we've ever known him. And Lord, this is a situation we would never have chosen. It's a situation we lament. Um, but Lord, through it, through the valley of the shadow of death, would you grant us greater faith and, Father, a life that reflects that faith, a life of unselfish, gracious, loving service to others. Father, change us from top to bottom, from inside out, through the wonderful, precious truth that you've given us in your word. Father, make your spirit to dwell in us in powerful ways, to grant us faith and courage, hope and light in a world right now that is very dark. We love you and ask your mercy, Lord, to be rich upon us. In Christ's name, amen.